Hello, this is Nikdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 12th of September. In the last 24 hours, India detected an astounding 97,654 new cases of the novel coronavirus, a new daily record for the country. This brings the total number of cases to above 46 lakhs or 4.6 million. Over 1,200 deaths were recorded due to the virus yesterday and the death toll is now over 77,500. Daily highs in new case detections were seen in many states including Uttar Pradesh, Gujarat, Punjab, Nagaland and many others. Maharashtra in particular became the first Indian state with over 1 million confirmed cases of the virus. As a part of the gradual resumption of services, all lines of the Delhi Metro are now operational as of this morning after 170 days. Metro trains are expected to run at full pre-COVID frequencies between 6 a.m. and 11 p.m., although mandatory screening, masks and physical distancing will be enforced. Hyderabad-based pharmaceutical company Bharat Biotech on Friday said it had successfully conducted clinical trials of its potential coronavirus vaccine called Covaxin on animals. The company said no adverse effects were seen on animals who were immunized with a two-dose regimen of the vaccine. Human clinical trials of Bharat Biotech's experimental vaccine are also underway, although no results have been announced yet. A serological survey conducted by the scientists of the ICMR or Indian Council of Medical Research shows that for every confirmed case in the month of May, there were between 82 and 130 infections that went undetected. The survey, which is peer-reviewed and published in the Indian Journal of Medical Research, added that India was still in the early stages of the virus outbreak. The Drugs Controller General of India on Friday asked the Serum Institute of India to suspend recruitment in its clinical trials of AstraZeneca's potential coronavirus vaccine in the country until further orders amid safety concerns. This news comes after the company AstraZeneca voluntarily suspended trials across the world last week after a patient developed unexplained symptoms. This move places further restrictions on the trials, which had been already put on hold by the Serum Institute of India on Thursday after the DGCI or the Drugs Controller General of India asked the vaccine maker for details on the reasons for the suspensions of trials overseas. According to a report by the Press Trust of India, the chief of Bharatiya Janata Party or BJP in West Bengal, Dilip Ghosh, claimed during a rally last week that the coronavirus pandemic was over and that the chief minister Mamta Banerjee was imposing lockdown in the state to stop the party from organising public meetings. The widely criticised comments were made at a rally in Hooghly in West Bengal, which was attended by thousands of party supporters, ignoring physical distancing norms. Scholar and activist Anantin Tumre, who is accused of conspiring to instigate the violence that occurred in Bhima Koregao in Maharashtra two years ago, moved the Bombay High Court yesterday against a National Investigation Agency or NIA court order that extended his custody by 90 days. Although Tail Tumre and a fellow activist surrendered before the NIA court on April 14th of this year, the NIA failed to file a charge sheet within 90 days of his arrest as they are required to do by law. On July 19th, the special court granted the NIA an extension of 90 days to file this charge sheet. Now the NIA is arguing that the draft of the charge sheet is voluminous and the examination of evidence has been delayed because of the coronavirus pandemic. Because of these reasons, the agency wants an extension of Tail Tumbray's custody for another 90 days. 
Teltumre's plea to the High Court contends that the NIA is not following the norms of the law that he has been booked under, which is the Draconian Unlawful Activities Prevention Act or UAPA. In addition, he added that the NIA court had also not abided by an order of the Supreme Court that stated that a person cannot be detained beyond 90 days if the investigating agency is unable to complete its probe or file a charge sheet by then. In view of this, Tail Tumre sought the High Court to issue an order that he may be released on bail. I'd like to take this opportunity here to recommend to you an article about Anand Tail Tumre by News Laundry reporter Pratik Goel from last year. It is titled The Case Against Anand Tail Tumre. While reporting this article through extensive interviews with representatives of the Pune police, legal scholars, Tail Tumre's lawyer, and Tail Tumre himself, along with a close examination of courtroom papers and other documentation, Pratik connects the dots of the Pune police's handling of the case, showing the inadequacy of evidence against Tail Tumbre and the likelihood of political motivation in the case. The article is available for free on newslaundry.com with no advertisements. In-depth investigative reporting like this is a resource-heavy task. News Laundry is supported by our readers and listeners and we need your support to continue our journalism. So become a subscriber today by visiting newslaundry.com and get access to all our subscriber-only features and content and contribute to the journalism that you would like to see. The Delhi Legislative Assembly this morning issued a notice to the Vice President and Managing Director of Facebook India, Ajit Mohan. The notice summons him before the Assembly on September 15 to answer questions relating to the allegations that Facebook willfully chose to ignore hate speech by BJP leaders on its platform. The move summoning Ajit Mohan comes after Facebook's inaction on hate speech was exposed by a report published in the Wall Street Journal last month. The report showed that Facebook India's head of public policy, Anki Das, allegedly opposed applying hate speech rules to at least four individuals and groups linked with the BJP, even though they were flagged internally for promoting or participating in violence. The letter sent by Delhi Assembly's Deputy Secretary reads, and I quote, The committee calls you as a witness for testifying on oath and for rendering your assistance by providing the relevant information and explanations in order to smoothly expedite the determination of the veracity of allegations levelled against Facebook in the complaints and depositions made before the committee. Unquote. Social reformer and politician Swami Agnivesh died due to liver disease at a hospital in Delhi last evening. He was best known for his work to end the practice of bonded labour in India. In 1981, he founded and led the Bonded Labour Liberation Front, an organisation whose efforts are credited with the passing of the Child Labour Prohibition and Regulation Act of 1986. He served as the chairperson of the United Nations Voluntary Trust Fund on Contemporary Forms of Slavery from 1994 to 2004, and he also led the Rajbhavan Chalo protest march on the death anniversary of journalist Gauri Lankesh in September 2018. The Congress has approached the Supreme Court in its campaign against the demolition of nearly 48,000 slums near the railway tracks in New Delhi. This comes after a directive from the court on August 31st, which ordered the removal of slums along 140 kilometers of Delhi's railway tracks within three months. The same directive also instructed political parties not to interfere in the matter. Congress leader Ajay Markin said in his plea, and I quote, The removal order was passed without hearing the slum dwellers. If slums are removed, more than 250,000 people will be out on the roads, unquote. 
The plea asked the Supreme Court to direct the Ministry of Railways and the Delhi government to first arrange for the rehabilitation of those living in the slums before any demolition begins. A spokesperson for the Amadmi Party also affirmed that his party will also petition the Supreme Court and do whatever it takes if the demolition process continues. A group of at least 70 organizations, including the Right to Food campaign and the Center for Advocacy and Research, along with many residents of the national capital, have urged the Supreme Court to reconsider the August 31st ruling. The Ministry of Statistics and Programme Implementation released more information about the worrying state of the Indian economy in a press release yesterday. The government data from the press release shows that the country's total industrial output declined by at least 10.4% year-on-year in the month of July, despite lockdown restrictions having been lifted considerably already. Some industries, however, particularly those that produce essential commodities, did show an increased production. The category of manufacture of pharmaceuticals, medicinal, chemical and botanical products rose by 22% in July compared to the same month last year. According to The Economist, Sunil Kumar Sena of the Credit Ratings Group India Ratings, the data shows that the sharp recovery witnessed in May and June is now becoming somewhat flattish. And now for some international updates. As of today, more than 28.5 million people worldwide have been found to be infected by the coronavirus. Out of these, more than 19 million people have recovered, while 916,000 people have died due to the disease. The Philippines has reported the highest single-day coronavirus death toll so far recorded in Southeast Asia. The country's health ministry today reported 186 more deaths related to COVID-19 in the last 24 hours, which is a daily record. The total number of deaths due to the virus in the Philippines is 4,300. The United Kingdom announced an ambitious plan this morning to vaccinate the country's entire population when a vaccine arrives. Reports suggest that public health and contingency planners are planning on using the British Army to carry out the biggest vaccination programme in UK history. Soldiers will be asked to administer tens of millions of vaccine injections when the programme begins. Canada has reported zero COVID-19 deaths in the last 24 hours for the first time since the 15th of March. However, the country did report over 70 new cases of the disease as most of its provinces ease lockdown restrictions and schools reopen for classes in person. The United States voted against a United Nations resolution for a comprehensive and coordinated response to the COVID-19 pandemic yesterday. The resolution included the recognition of the leadership role played by the World Health Organization from which the US withdrew earlier this year. The resolution calls for an intensified international cooperation and solidarity to contain, mitigate and overcome the pandemic and its consequences. Ahead of the vote, the United States also unsuccessfully attempted to remove a paragraph on protecting women in the area of sexual and reproductive health over objections about abortion. Apart from the United States, Libya and Iraq also voted for the paragraph's removal. The resolution was adopted by a majority of 169 countries out of 193. Wildfires continue to rage across the western United States this week. At least 26 people have died in the last one month due to the fires. In the state of Oregon, more than one-eighth of the population or upwards of 500,000 people have been asked to evacuate from their homes. State officials have said that they are focusing on efforts of saving lives, but they anticipate a devastating aftermath. 
In a statement, Andrew Phelps, director of the Oregon Office of Emergency Management, said, and I quote, We know we are dealing with fire-related deaths and we are preparing for a mass fatality incident based on what we know and the number of structures that have been lost. Unquote. In Washington state, a one-year-old boy was killed by the fire as his parents were trying to escape it. According to CNN, the family was visiting their property in a rural area and had to evacuate in the middle of the night when the wildfire got closer. They abandoned their vehicle and ran to a river to flee the menacing flames. The parents were rescued from the river, but the son did not make it. Dear listeners, do watch the latest episode of TV Nuisance titled The Battle for TRPs on News Laundry's YouTube channel. This week, Manisha looked at how the campaign for justice for Sushant Singh Rajput turned into a TRP match for TV news channels. Republic Bharat beat Ajtak to number one, but at the cost of murdering journalism. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.